Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways. I do some other stuff. But most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month, I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level. Stay tuned for that post and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. I don't know if you saw my over-the-top, uh, hilarious, completely genuine reactions. I did. I was busting up watching you do that. My voice is a little bit shot, so bear with me. But Tony, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Tony from Dragged Under and very good friend of mine. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been a long time coming, I feel like. Well, we did sort of a podcast, uh, whatever that was, like two or three years ago, where we talked about YouTube stuff. Yeah. But, uh, and I believe that was maybe right when Dragged Under started. Yeah, it was very businessy. You know, I don't, I don't really do business. I'm just a rocker. <laughs> that's, that's right. I'm just a simple country rocker. Pay no mind to me. Well, that was right about when Dragged Under started at the end of Rest Repose and the beginning of Dragged Under. So, for anybody who is not familiar with sort of uh, the origins of the band, why don't you just explain that to everyone who may know some of you guys from that and you know where you guys came from? Been around for a while in a different form. Yeah, Fluff and I, our guitar player, had a band with uh, Jared Dines of YouTube fame, and uh, that band was called Rest Repose, and we did some cool stuff. It was actually pretty eye-opening, and I think it was important for me because, like, regardless of the fame or whatever, right, that Jared had at the time, his notoriety was not enough to carry our band. And that was like, not that he's fallen off, but like that was when he was like really, really popping. Yeah, this this was like the height of his the height of his career, I would say, in terms of like his average viewership. Right. You know, he only gets bigger, but you know how it goes. It doesn't like being big and 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 getting conversion is not the same thing. So he was probably at the at the biggest. And uh yeah, I don't know. He just wasn't wasn't really into it anymore. And um this alone does not make a band like, you know, he's like, like, look at like Fozzie. They do well, but like Chris Jericho being in Fozzie is not enough to like port over all of the WWE fans or whatever. And to be clear, you guys are still friends with Jared. There's no hard feelings or anything. Yeah, I saw him two days ago. Uh, we went to Dave and Buster's for one of our buddy's birthdays. And yeah, he, he's doing really, really well. He's got a girlfriend he really likes and things are going good for him, you know, outside of YouTube and stuff. And I still manage him and help him do stuff with, you know, his musical projects. He's still doing like Scion and stuff like that. So musically still very involved. He wasn't a touring guy. He, he didn't want to tour. And I totally get it. Touring is probably the least 
and most fun about being in a band. And so you guys kind of made the decision to like reboot it, change the name and all that stuff, which I know was a little bit of a discussion. Yeah, I don't really call it like a name change, right? So to me, it wasn't like that band and we changed names. It was just really the only thing we kept was the social media. <laughs> like, right. It just didn't make sense to like scrap all that built in audience that we had already had for the personalities in the band. And so, you know, for some, some degree, I understand when people do that. Like, oh, we got to start fresh, new Spotify or well, we did new Spotify, but new, you know, Instagram, new Facebook. And for us, it was like, well, these people know me they know fluff. And at the time, Josh was playing for us. Right. He was also at in the band at the end of rest repose. So it was like, well, what's the point in scrapping all this stuff that's attached to the members anyway? We might as well use this as a springboard to start this new project. But we've seen, you know, a success with Dragged Under that we never saw with Rest Repose. And that all just comes down to music. Yeah, I mean, I, I was very, like, impressed to see. I mean, Rest Repose was a band for a while. And not that you guys didn't have some success, but it was, you know, like, you know, it was a grind at times, I think. Whereas, like, Dragged Under, like, kind of popped, like, right away. Yeah, I mean, to say that Rest Repose was a grind is a... An understatement. I think that was like four years of just spinning tires and, and just being like, well, what the fuck is not like it's not working. And you think you have like, oh, this guy has two million subs or whatever. And it's and it's ironic because a lot of people be like, you know, a lot of bands will discredit our success and like, well, you have fluff in your band. And it's like, dude, we had Jared in that other band and that didn't do a thing for us. And no disrespect to fluff, but you know, Jared is a lot bigger than he is. For sure. And and no disrespect to fluff, his following for sure helps. Like having having his audience built in is a great boost. But if Jared was only, you know, big enough to get us 75,000 monthly listeners on Spotify or whatever, then certainly Fluff and Jared together, you know, like the, the sum of the parts is not greater than the whole right? type of thing. So that's kind of what I've learned a lot about the music is like it didn't didn't help us at all to have, you know, somebody with a name. You know, you don't see Johnny Depp's band touring the world or whatever. And granted, that's not like what he wants to do, but they're absolutely fucking horrible. And Alice Cooper is in that band too. Oh, I, I've never heard them. It's so bad. It's like the band that would play in the lobby at NAM. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> it's absolutely awful. You know, that I mean, that is like such an obvious difference is like Drag Dunder's music is like so much better. Not, you know, like and I'm, you guys are my friends, but like, I don't say that about all my friends' bands. Like I remember hearing oh, I it the first time and I was like, shit, this is good. Yeah. You know, we're trying really hard. And with this band, I'm not going to take all the credit, but I have a lot more creative control in this project than I ever have with rest repose. I kind of took a back seat. I was, I was like a small man, you know, I was playing guitar and Jared was a better, better guitar player than me. And then playing adjacent to fluff. Who's like a really respected guy. So I just kind of kept my mouth shut and kind of went along for the ride. And on this project, it's a lot more like my creative input and like what I want to do, the music I grew up listening to, my inspirations, things like that. Rest Repose is fun, but it was never really like my vibe because, you know, I was a little younger than those guys. Not Jared and I are pretty similar in age, but the two years, if it's the right two years can make a big difference. Right. You know, like I don't I, I, I don't identify with even some 27, 28 year olds just like, damn, I don't fucking get it. You guys were like just a couple of years too late, but you had, you started junior high with the phone instead of high school with the phone. And that changed like everything you think and know. Well, like when you're in eighth grade, someone who's like, you know, a sophomore seems so old or junior seems so old compared to you, you know? Well, we see it even like, so I, uh, I coach golf and that's where I was today. That's why I'm in my golf attire. But even just looking at like the kid that I coach as a sophomore 
and he made it to districts, which was like a pretty big deal. He kept to the second day of districts. I think he was probably like one of a very small select group of sophomores to do that. But seeing like the other kids like looking around and being like, oh, this this one of the kids we played against the other day, like looked like a fucking linebacker. Right. <laughs> Gigantic. And uh, it's just and I think he was a junior. So it's interesting even just how one year can change like these kids are filling out and they're getting so big and strong and they hit the ball so far in just one year. So, yeah. But, you know, perspective is like when you're 10 that next year is a 10th of your life. Right. So, you know, there's a lot that happens in those young formidable years. And anyway, I don't want to get too off topic. Well, so with, with the change in direction, the change in sound, I mean, rest repose and dragged under are like totally different genres. Yeah. Was that like a conscious sort of conversation that you had ahead of time? Like, let's do a band that sounds like this, or did that just kind of happen or how did that happen? It was intentional, right? Like we definitely went into the studio with like bands that we were like, yo, what are our common interests? Like, instead of like, you know, what, what band does like the primary writer listen to? It was like, like, what umbrella can we all coalesce underneath of like three or four bands to say like, these are inspirations that we would be stoked to all kind of sound like, you know, and those things were like some 41 and Beartooth and older pop punk stuff that was like very skate inspired. Yeah. Which was not what I was expecting at all. Cause you know, I think of, uh, I mean, I know you and where you come from, but when I think of, you know, the rest repose kind of world, that's more of like, you know, modern metal. So I was not expecting this to be like kind of, yeah, more of a pop punk thing. Well, it kind of just goes to show that, you know, I think we were obviously trying way too hard and it was like the whole impetus behind rest repose was like, let's write radio music. And how do we, how do we make it so that like, we'll write shit that'll just go straight to octane and never had a song on octane. And with Jack Dunner, it was like, I don't know. There's something about being genuine that resonates with people. Yep. Genuous? Genuine, I think. I think I was going to say not being disingenuous and genuine at the same time. Close enough. Uh, but yeah, there's there's just something about like executing your true vision and just like the thing that people can look at you and go, yeah, that makes sense. And them going, I agree with it. I rally, I'm rallying behind it with him. But it's, you know, you know, a lot like a politician being like, I have to support the thing. And it's like, yeah, but you're full of shit. Right. So nobody's with you on it. But if you're just like, if you're just unabashed about the bullshit that you support or whatever, like we'll rally behind you because we believe you. And so with Rest Repose, for me, it was a very unbelievable style of music. If you knew me. Right. Um, and, and for Jared kind of, and I think that that was a big deal. Like his, you know, he gets famous doing these like metal aggressive, crazy things. And then he puts out music that sounds like dad rock. And that's not fluff's thing either. Not necessarily. It's not, not his thing. It's more, I think his thing when you know. Yeah. But like none of you are real. That's not really your thing for anybody, really. Not like publicly, no. But like behind closed doors, it was it was definitely a lot more. You know, him and Jared wrote all that stuff, and we struggled with like vo- we had vocalist woes. I think that's a big reason why we kind of folded the project too. Is I, you know, I kind of had the conversation with them when we were in the studio, like, yo, this stuff is so different and it's so much better, and I don't really want to be the third vocalist of Rest Repose. I want to be like the first vocalist of like a whole different thing. With Rest Repose, you guys always struggled to kind of get industry support, you know, like booking agents and labels and stuff like that. And I remember that being really frustrating. And it doesn't seem like that's been nearly as much of a struggle for drag, Dragged Under. And again, I think that just shows like you play the songs for people and like everyone's like, oh, OK, this is fucking good. Yeah, I can get behind this. Definitely true in terms of the the amount of like respect and, and not notoriety, but like the seriousness, which with we were taken by the industry was just not there. They always just thought of it as Jared Dine's band, you know, so much so to the point that when we tried to do our last tour, it was with like fucking 
red jumpsuit and, sh- and like Alice on it. And it was not even a tour really wanted, but it was like, well, we were struggling so hard to get good stuff that it's what we would take with that tour. One of the stipulations on the contract, it was Jared had to go. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Cause, cause I was like, yeah, I don't think Jared's going to come. He's not really feeling the tour thing right now, but we'll be there. Like, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll backtrack his parts. We'll rock it without him. Whatever. I think at the time he was on guitar. Uh, and they were like, no, he has to come. And so we were like, all right, we're not going then. And so we dropped off the tour. It's sim- it's not not unlike a movie with one A-list. Yeah. If those like B-lists are, or C-lists or whoever are not carrying their own weight and being like the next discovered actor or something, it's just like, well, who cares? Am I right to say that, you know, I don't want to say anything's easy, but it seems like that industry support came kind of easily for Dragged Under. Yeah. And it would come easily for any band who's writing songs that people care about. That's the common denominator. It's not that it nothing else changed. We didn't add a member to the group. If anything, you could say we subtracted the most important. Piece. You lost clout. Yeah. When we stopped focusing on everything we thought people wanted and just started doing things that we wanted to do and that people will resonate with, things started to happen. But a lot of that was because of Joey, our manager. You know, him and Fluff were pretty connected and he got the songs probably before anybody. So we didn't really give a chance to anyone else to try to take that position. And it was just like, all right, that's your guy now because he's the first one that stepped up to the plate. And, and like you said, we had, had such trouble, such strife trying to find people that we believed in from managers and booking agents and all these other people that the first guy to come along and just go, I love your band. It was like, well, that was more valuable to us than anything. Sure. Like any, any man raising your child that loves him is better than them being raised without a father. Somebody who gives a shit but maybe isn't the most experienced person might actually do more for you than someone who's super experienced and networked and stuff, but doesn't give a fuck about your band. Yeah. I mean, it's not unlike my job, right? Like sure. sometimes I have to like cut people loose and, and it's not anything that they did. It's just that like, Hey, dude, I have other people that I'm far happier representing and they make my job way easier. And you're not getting what you need from me because I'm so dedicated to these other people. But if it was just like, if you just went and found one dude who had no idea what he was doing and kind of like was willing to figure it out for you, that, that person might be the right fit for you. And that, I think that's kind of what we were at the beginning. You probably could have signed to an MCN and you probably could have signed to some other bigger agency, but you know, you had friends that were like, Hey, this guy's legit. And I really wanted to work with you. And we had kind of simpatico, if you will. And, and at the end, it worked out really well for both of us. But yeah, with Joey, in respect to my, my band, it's like the same thing with the label, right? When we started working with people that, that just loved our band, instead of people who we thought would make the best moves for us, it, it changed everything. I also had no idea that you were such a good vocalist. I mean, because like you said, you were playing guitar before you switched vocals. And it's like, wow, why were you not? vocalist all along yeah i think a lot of people didn't know um and it's because i never really i don't know i I never really put myself out there like that i didn't ever need the spotlight or the attention and i thought vince was a much more talented vocalist than me that was our first singer and i don't know it just was not my style to be the guy in the spotlight at the time anyway especially when you're surrounded by so many people you know what i mean like there's a lot of eyeballs on right right that project when all of your videos are getting uploaded to jared's channel or whatever right and you know we were happy generally with the direction until we got on tour and realized like oh these guys can't do this live and that's the big difference because i was never going to stay as the vocalist after the tour i was just going to limp us through the tour and then we were going to find somebody else oh interesting. And then they were like well you're kind of killing it so like let's try you let's record some songs with you as the singer in this new style and, and just see what happens. And then that was when it was like, this doesn't sound anything like rest repose. I see. You know, like let's just write an EP of the five songs that, you know, we think rip and that we love 
And that's when it became like, okay, cool. Like you'll be the singer now. Did you sing in other bands before that I'm not aware of? Nothing you would have heard of. Um, I, I was like one of two screamers in a band called Break Free, which is like a posse core band back in California where I'm from. Uh-huh. But no, never like in an official capacity as like the main front man of anything before this. So you're just the dark horse, secret beast waiting to unleash yourself on the world. I think that singing is a is and can be a learned skill, right? Just like anything. People are like, oh, I'm not built for whatever. And it's like, well, you just haven't done it long enough or haven't had the right teacher. I think every almost anything can be learned. And I think singing and screaming is no exception. I just was willing to do it better and more than anyone else. It's not a, it's not unlike the way I approach my work or, you know, like my hobbies. I don't necessarily start better than you, but I will work to get better than you. Well, there's another side of it that to me seems less of a learned skill, which is like the stage presence and front man sort of component of it, doing interviews, that sort of thing, which I don't know how much you can learn that. <laughs> well, I mean, well, some could, some would say that I'm not a good interviewer. If, if you talk <laughs> to some of the people that are in our camp, they don't like me doing interviews sometimes because well, I think I know why a little too loose with my tongue, Yeah, but, but that's sometimes what people want, but I, I need, to, I've learned to like, you know, like pull back my candor because we've lost opportunities because of sure when keeping it real goes wrong. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It can't go uh, And we're not the only band that's probably experienced that, you know, like, and it's never anything crazy. Like you wouldn't have me, you wouldn't platform me if you knew I was like gonna say or had said something crazy. It's literally just like the things that I believe right. are not good enough. They're not good for the current state of the scene. Like I'm an outlier. You know what I mean? I'm a rebel. Be a free thinker as long as you think like me and my friends. Right. Yeah, exactly. As long as you're telling the current line, you can think whatever you want. But the, in terms of like frontmanship, you know, I learned a lot of that from just watching amazing people do it. Jason from Let Live is like a dude that I watched well, from Fever for a, a lot of people maybe in the chat. Yeah. He had a band called Let Live and they are from Southern California. Do people not know Let Live? I'm sure a lot of people do, but Fever is yeah. what he's probably best known for now. But he used to be in a band called Let Live and that was one of the first shows I ever went to. So he kind of was the litmus. I and mean, he's fucking incredible. I don't even like their music at all, but he is fucking ridiculous. And he was always like that. He was playing a show at a place called Harmony Suite in Simi Valley, where I'm from. He jumped on some girl's head and like put a trash can over his head and like ran on the bar and just like made it his goal to get kicked out of every venue they ever <laughs> played. And I try not to go that far because I know that, that the fans love that, but that comes full circle and people behind the curtain are like, well, we can't have you anymore because you right, fucking right, did right. this. So I'm a little bit more conservative than that. But I saw that band play for nobody and he was still doing that shit. So for me, it was like, that's, that must be what frontmen look like. True frontmen. And then uh, our, our merch guy and content dude, Justin, I don't know if you've met him. Uh, sounds familiar. I don't remember. Yeah. Itchy. He, uh, he was in a band back in the day and he was like that and he did karate. So like he would do like backflips and like karate moves and shit on stage. And it was fucking cool. And so I was always like, yo, that's the shit I want to do. Like, I want to create a little bit of a spectacle. It's tough. Cause I'm, you know, like on top of my. I don't, I don't want to say troubled. It's not troubled, but like on top of already being kind of like yelled at every, every now and again from our agent or from our manager or whoever, I'm also like a little gun shy to be like the band that gets kicked out of venues. So I'm a little right. bit more like mind some of those P's and Q's, but before COVID, I, you know, I would jump in the crowd. I would try to make as big of a spectacle as I could without getting us in trouble. So that was always my goal was like, what, where's the line? How do I get right up to it without crossing it? And so that's kind of always where I've lived. Right. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. 
What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind podcast. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. So, I mean, you guys all have stuff going on. How big of a part of your life is the band? Is this like what you want to go in on 100% and quit everything else? Is it a fun thing you do when you have time or where does it kind of fall? For now, I mean, you know, there's big things happening in my life behind the scenes, um, professionally and personally. And 
things that I want to pursue. But for now, it's probably number one and a half. And it's, it competes closely with my job. I don't want to do my job forever, but I also don't want to do, I don't want to be a musician forever. Right. I hardly think that touring, at least in the capacity in which we do it currently, is something I'll do forever. Sure. Like if I had my own bus or we were flying to places, that's one thing. The way in which we do it now is a little tough. Yeah. It'd, it'd be a lot better if it's like, you know, uh, Ozzy, you know, those guys, uh, they fly between shows on the PJ. I could tour like that. <laughs> I don't think it'll ever get like that. But even just being on a bus, right, would be like so different for us. Yeah, a bus Having works. a driver would be crazy. Not setting up our own gear would be insane. Like, yeah, it, it would be a world of difference to be able to do it like that. But I, but I have like goals to be pretty serious, you know, professional in the golf industry and not like play professionally, but teach, maybe work in that space a little bit between that and just sustaining a living and then having a family and things like that. And, and the band is sometimes a barrier to a lot of those things, but for now uh, and for the, you know, observable future, it's fine. It's something that I'm happy doing and willing to continue to grind for, for a couple of years, but I can't see myself killing myself over it for the better part of this decade. But it's got to be somewhat creatively liberating to not sort of feel the pressure to make this like your career. You know, it's like, well, we can make what we want. And if people like it, cool. And if they don't, that's cool too, because we got other shit going on. So yeah, that's a really good point. And I'm glad you mentioned that because while I maintain a certain level of creative freedom, it's also, it's like, how much real estate can you buy in Kowloon Walled City? Right. So it's, I am in a space in which within the walls of the space, I can be as creative as I want. But right, unfortunately, right. the walls in rock music are not that big. They're not. <laughs> so, you know, and I talk about that. I have that conversation with people a lot um, in other, in like adjacent, not even adjacent, in just different genres where I'm just like, how sick is that? That this dude can literally talk about whatever he wants. And we don't get that freedom a lot of times in, in rock music if you want to be taken seriously. And I don't know how right. people do it. I truly, truly don't. Like, I mean, we're on our second record. There's a song on the next record called Uninspired. And it's kind of right in the middle of the record. It's a pretty good song, but it's literally about how, like, I'm already having to lie a little bit to, yep. to facilitate the content that people want from us. Like, I'm, you know, I'm just not that depressed anymore. Sure. You know, I'm just not sure. that sad. I'm not that self-destructive anymore. But is that what people want to hear me say? Probably. Yeah. They want me to talk about how sick my life is. Right. I mean, like, it's the classic thing of when someone gets sober and they write their sober album. And as much as I support people getting sober, the track record for sober albums is not great. Most of them suck. And I, I don't want that to be true, but it is. Yeah. Recovery was not good. Right. Yeah. I, I, I wish it wasn't like that, but that tends to be the case. I mean, there's something, there's some truth to the fact that, you know, the best art does tend to come from, you know, negative shit, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and, um, so fortunate to say that I just don't have much of that, but I also am not going to write a song about my 1970 Mustang. So, <laughs> so where does that leave me? Got to write a song about your 2007 Honda Civic. Whoa, that's a 2019. Oh, that's right. Sorry, my bad. Take it back a little bit. That's right. That's right. And I still have a fair bit of content, but I was almost blessed to have not a lot, not, 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 not a lot, but I was almost blessed to be like, what, do I, what should I write about? Because it was just like, well, there's not really that much shit that's going on in my life that I can draw sure. from that. It, that is what people would like to hear in in the context of the current meta of, right. of like rock music. So, you know, there's a song, there is one song on the record that's really, really deep and really important to me about, you know, someone very close to me 
having real struggles with like suicidal ideation and wasn't sure if they were going to, you know, I wasn't sure if they were going to kill themselves that day or, or if I was going to get a call from somebody like, yo, so-and-so shot himself in the face. Yeah. You know, there's moments of inspiration where it's like, well, this is a really dark thing that I'm dealing with, but it's going to make for like some really positive content or moments from which to draw from when I'm not thinking about it anymore. You know what I mean? Like when I'm on the other side of this thing, it's going to be sick to look back on because there's going to be a lot of moments I can pull from in this moment where I was on the outside looking in and just being like, oh, look what this guy's going through. Like, well, look what the past me is going through. I mean, I have the same, I don't know if it's a problem, the same challenge a lot of times is like, you know, I'm very different from a lot of my audience. And so I'm envious of people who sort of, it seems like they can just say whatever they want. And because they're so similar to their audience, their audience is going to like that. But for us, you know, we're in a different place in our lives, or we may have different beliefs than a lot of the audience. And we, we've got to sort of put it through a little bit more of a filter like that. You can't just say whatever comes to your mind. For sure. Especially when it comes to the like punk, like the conservatism is punk. Yeah. Sort of like narrative that I think that I definitely subscribe to and not in every way, obviously I'm not, I'm not like saying that those things are black and white, but like the idea of, you know, small government, uh, you know, personal freedoms, personal accountability, liberty, stuff like that is very punk, but yeah, you're right. We've had to be like a little bit more silenced and, and hushed in, in the way we talk about these things, but you know, straight from the path can literally have songs where it's like kill a fucking cop. Oh, like every one of their songs. <laughs> Yeah. And they just released a brand new one, which is the same way. And that's a band I used to really like because I feel like they used to take on some actual issues. And unfortunately, these days, it's a little bit more one dimensional and it's all very like hype, try to rile people up. And we never want to do that with our music. It's yeah. a little excited, but within the confines of the space we exist in, I can have as much freedom, freedom as I want. Well, at, at least you don't have the pressure of trying to turn this into like your full time job. You know, not at all. It's stressful as fuck to try to live off of a band is fucking brutal. Yeah. It's a conversation that, that I have with people all the time where they're like, oh man, I just feel so bad for you guys. Like COVID must've really took the wind out of your sails. And I'm like, no, yeah, but I don't, I don't need to be touring. If anything, I'm better off not touring. Um, and I love to tour and I want to tour. Like it's, I mean, for a band, you know, people have a lot of misconceptions for a band your size. You may not necessarily make money on a tour. We do. I mean, you might, you might not. We don't come home with like checks for the individual. There's plenty of bands your size who don't, you know, you guys are probably smarter than most people, but like there's lots of bands your size that come home and maybe they made two grand or something, but like Mm -hmm. it's a misconception that like if a band is on tour that they're, you know, somehow making a lot of money or that that's necessarily even financially beneficial for them. For us. Yeah. We're really smart. We negotiate the salaries with everybody that comes with us. You know, like we're not just like paying out of our ass for our crew. I took my dad as our driver last time and that was free, you know, and, and just stuff like that. When it's like, where can we, can we pinch a penny? Okay. Let's pinch a penny. And fluff used to make fun of me for it all the time. He'd be like, dude, you're going to fucking negotiate your own funeral or something like that. Like, he would always <laughs> just shit on me for it. But at the end of the day, it's like, if we don't do this, there is no this. So like, yeah, am I going to try to get a two for one deal at the fucking hotel every night? Of course. Well, that's going to save you like thousands of dollars over the course of the whole tour. Totally. Right. And that's exactly what I, exactly what I feel about it. How much merch do you have to sell to make that up? A lot. For sure. Is there some stuff where maybe it's not appropriate to try to, you know, like pinch pennies maybe, but it's also just 
I, you know, you run a business. Yeah. I run a business. And so we have a conversation with our management sometimes too, where it's like, you just this week, it was like, Hey, should we buy more hoodies? If we buy more hoodies and stock more, we make double the profit on each one, but the profit incentive was only $6 per, and we'd have to spend $400 to get to the next bracket. So it's like, all right, well, we have to sell how many more hoodies, hundred more hoodies to make the money back that we would spend buying the extra hoodies. Right. Is that feasible? Probably not. Okay. We're not doing it. So just stuff like that. When, you know, some bands only look at that one thing, like, well, it's more profitable to buy more. It's like, yeah, if you sell all of them. Right. Or are you going to sit with eight boxes of hoodies in your spare bedroom for the next four years? Yeah. And we've made mistakes. Like, you know, we made a lot of mistakes. There wasn't enough checks and balances in our party in terms of like who was doing certain jobs and, you know, or merch orders would get made and they were way too big um, or too small whatever the case was, but it was like, it sucks. Cause it's like, sometimes I feel like I have to be involved in every single conversation, which is not the case. Our, you know, like our management and our agents and everybody in our team is good. They don't have a full scope of what's happening behind the curtain. Right. It's like they, they don't get to see the bank account and they don't get to balance the budgets and do the profit and loss statements. I do all that stuff. So when we get an order of merch and it's like, this is enough merch for the next three tours, you know, it's like, what, what are we supposed to do with this? That's when it gets a little crazy, and a little frustrating. And we have to, you know, go into our pockets to pay for merch bills that we didn't even know were coming. And it's just a mess. And it sucks because a lot of the times with a band, it's such a big thing. And I'm, I'm so busy doing other stuff, whether that's writing the music or be, just being on tour. If you've ever been on tour, it's exhausting. You know, just, just existing in a van with five other people for 30 days in a row is Ugh, and trying hellish. to run your business. Like I, I don't you know, I don't quit when I'm on the road. You'll get emails from me when I'm on the road. Yep. I stay, I stay working, but it definitely has those moments where it's like, this is a suck on my life. And like, I cannot do anything else because I'm trying to do this. And I'm not just doing it for myself. I'm doing it for these four other dudes that signed up for this with me. So I could just happily be like, I'm done with this. We're buying a farm in Olympia. We're going to have double dates with Finn and Lynn. That's right. And never looking back. And, And that would be very, for me, very attractive. But I have other people that rely on me in this capacity. And, and I want to do music. I really, really do. Well, on that note, before I let you go, I don't want people to, uh, you know, listen to this interview and go, oh, no, Drag Dunder's breaking up. This is the end. Tony doesn't want to do it anymore. So what what is next for the band? Because it feels like you guys have a bright future ahead of me. So tell me what's next for the band before I let you go. I hope. I mean, we're releasing an album June 10th. We have a song coming out Thursday at like 9 p.m. PST. We have a brand new song coming out. We just announced a tour today with 10 years, um, which is a band that I really love. You probably remember them. And then we are working on some other tour stuff. Another, We have a show announcement tomorrow that we're really excited about. It's like a one-off in the U.S. Um, that we were trying to get on really hard last year. We have Europe coming up. We leave for Europe in less than a month. And we're supposed to go back later this year with the band that I really like. That was uh, a very popular song in a video game about skateboarding Oh, from the 90s. So there's a lot of cool stuff happening and drag is here to stay. I think it's just fun to romanticize about like, Oh, what would my life be like if I didn't have to take four to six months off a year to like pursue my dreams? It's very easy to romanticize being a normie. Hey, I've been romanticizing being a normie my whole life. And I'm happy to say I finally made it to the promised <laughs> yeah, land. You did it. Here it is. <laughs> Good. I'll be happy. Uh, I'll be happy when you finally join me. Yeah, same. On the low end, Dragged Under has like five more years. And those are, that's if those five years do not go well. Um, but on the high end, it's I'll do it as long as people want us to do it. So for the Dragged Under fans, nothing to worry about. You're here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's the tough part about doing interviews with your friends. 
Because I feel like I thought I was just talking to you. And then I remember, oh, yeah, we're <laughs> that's right. This is live. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's all on the record. All right. Well, I will let you go, um, but always good to uh, to talk, and we got to get together uh, in person soon. Please. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Weiland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.